Blog Talk Radio. Hi there, I'm Mary Eileen Williams at Feisty Side of 50 Radio, and this show is a celebration of baby boomers who are embracing life as we grow older. And speaking of embracing life, it doesn't get much better than getting to chat with two multi-talented, accomplished, and fiercely feisty women. Angie and Ruth McCartney make for an extraordinary mother-daughter duo who have enjoyed incredible careers. Their resume includes owning a thriving tea and wine business, authoring several books, and enjoying a successful career as both a musician and a dancer. Plus, adding to these accomplishments, they're also sought-after media moguls, founding and managing McCartney Multimedia. Believe it or not, this is just a sprinkling of what these two women have done. Plus, their personal lives have held one or two small surprises as well. I can't wait to get going. So welcome, Angie, and welcome, Ruth. Welcome, welcome. Thank you. Hi, Eileen. Thank you for having us. Well, as I mentioned, I do want to get, cover some of these ventures and accomplishments you've done because you have blown me away. I was watching some videos and doing some research on, you know, before we had the interview, and I, just, I was getting tired just looking at everything. But I am going to start out with your personal I was going to say, I am going to start out with your personal life. And, Angie, I'd like to begin with you because your story uh, of being a young widow is not necessarily an easy one. But then you came upon an older gentleman uh, who had a son in his 20s who traveled a lot. And I guess he was rather lonely, and the two of you got together. So I'll let you take it from here, Angie. Yes, I was uh, 34 years old, and uh, Ruth was four, almost five. And life was pretty tough, and I ran into an old friend I hadn't seen for years, and it turned out that her uncle was Jim McCartney, the father of Paul and Michael McCartney. And she eventually did it, put her matchmaking hat on, introduced us, got us together, and the rest, as they say, is history. That was in August of 64, and we got married in the November. And then Jim legally adopted Ruth and gave her the name McCartney, and there we are. Wow, and you had a wonderful life together, and I know, Ruth, you have very fond memories of your dad. Oh, yes, he was he was just so patient. I mean, you think I was four years old, and he was 62, and, you know, he had horrible arthritis, really debilitating, and he oh. had rheumatoid and osteoarthritis, so his blood hurt and every bone in his body hurt. So I thought it was perfectly normal to hop up and down and do the splits and cartwheels in the living room and say to him, I bet you can't do this, and he'd just smile patiently. <laughs> <laughs> That's my bet. I can't. <laughs> but it was definitely wow, like, and um, and crossroads. And, 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 when I, when and, I was a lyricist many years later, and I still am a writer, um, you know, I, I learned a lot of vocabulary and different ways of putting things from his love of crosswords. He used to do dozens of them every day. Wow. So he was into uh, words and, and interesting ways of fra- turning a phrase, which I would assume that uh, at least one of his sons uh, took after him in that regard. Both of them, yeah. So, Michael is also, Mike McCartney used to be known as Mike McGear in those days, and he was part of a satirical, musical, sketch comedy, sort of Edinburgh fringe um, outfit called Scaffold. And so Michael is extremely wow. talented um, as he writes children's books. He's a he's a lyricist. He's been a singer. He's written plays. And he's just yeah. It runs in the family like wooden legs. 
<laughs> well, I'm sure, and I, I have to ask you, Angie, when you first, when uh, Paul and his brother Michael, did you know them immediately? Did you meet them immediately, or had you and Jim been had spent some time together before uh, you we, met his we'd son? We met How a couple it? of times. Yeah, no, I hadn't met either of them initially. And um, on the night that Jim arranged for me to go over, I lived in Liverpool and Jim lived the other side of the Mersey in a nice house that Paul had bought for him in Heswell. And uh, he arranged to send a car for me, which was very impressive in those days, pick me up at work, go to the nursery and pick up Ruth and come through the Mersey Tunnel and arrange to stay the night. And that was the evening that... uh, Jim, eventually, I had an idea what he might be leading up to. But, you know, with wanting to meet the baby, as she was called in those days. So uh, we were talking, and I'd already put Ruth to bed, and Jim uh, made some uh, tea. And I was playing the piano in the living room, and Jim came and put his hands on my shoulders, and he said, I want to ask you something. So I looked up, (laughs) and I said, the answer is yes. He said, I haven't asked you the bloody question oh. yet. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh Angie. Oh, well, yeah, we eventually we talked through it, and he said, you know, you can see that I, I'm sort of marooned in this house because I can't drive, and there are always dozens of fans outside, and I, I can't really go for a walk without them following me and all that. So he said, what do you want to do? Do you want to be my housekeeper, or do you want to just move in and live with me, or do you want to get married? And I was really old-fashioned in those days. I said, oh, I'd only think about marriage with a four-year-old daughter. He said, okay, then that's what we'll do. And shortly after, the telephone rang, and it was Paul from London. And I heard his father say, hello, son. Yes, she is. Yes, I have. Yes, we are. And come and talk to Paul. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. That was my introduction to him. We were both very nervous on the phone. And Paul said, uh, well, you're staying the night, aren't you? I said, oh, yes, the baby's in bed upstairs. He said, well, I'll jump in the car in London and I'll drive up. Well, of course, it used to take three or four hours in those days because the motorways weren't joined up around Birmingham, so it was a long trek. And he eventually came home and came in and we made another pot of tea. And he said, well, where's the baby? Go and get her. So I went upstairs, picked up little Ruth, who was fast asleep because it was maybe one o'clock in the morning by this time, carried her down and sat her on Paul's lap. And she opened her eyes and rubbed her eyes and looked up at him and said, Oh, I know you. You're on my cousin's wallpaper. (laughs) (laughs) Was I embarrassed. But I tell you what, it broke the ice. Well, I would think so. So, Ruth, how did you happen to have Paul's face? Or, I, Well, I guess I should figure that out myself. Paul's face was on your cousin's wallpaper. Yes. I mean, you know, you'd have to, even at four years old, you'd have to have been living under a rock in November of 1964 in Liverpool not to know yeah. who the Beatles were. So um, having not been living under a rock and having a cousin, oh, two or three years older than me, Geraldine is probably seven or eight, and she had, you know, everything Beatles. And so I sort of put two and two together and went, hey, hang on, <laughs> I know you. So it was uh, it was kind of an embarrassing moment. But, you know, kids will be, kids say the darndest things, right? Well, absolutely. <laughs> Uh, and I, because honest, people, it was just, and then I just went on being me, saying, "Hey, do you want to see my scar? I had just had my kidney removed, and they left me with 210 stitches on a four-year-old." Wow. And um, I pulled up my little 
pink pajamas to show everybody my scar on my side. And Paul said, oh, Ringo's got a scar in his tummy. He had his appendix removed and blah, blah, blah. So we, we got off on a tangent about hospitals. I don't quite know. But, you know, as you do with the people. Well, absolutely. That's all of us would have done it with the Beatles. But, well, I am a few years, well, more than a few years older than you, Ruth, so I probably would have fainted or screamed or done something super embarrassing. But, Angie, you you handled everything with great aplomb, as, you, as did you too, Ruth, and I know you've got a ton of great stories because several visitors and friends of the Fab Four came by your house. And if you don't mind sharing, Angie, like I said, I did do some research getting ready for this, and I think you have a super story about teaching John Lennon a little bit about manners. Oh, well, yes, Paul used to bring John up for weekends sometimes to stay with us because John didn't have a home in Liverpool any longer. And uh, one day I, I went in to the lounge with a tray of tea and gave them all cups of tea. And um, next time I went in, John just lifted his hand up with a cup and saucer carried on his conversation with Jim and Paul and just waggled the cup and saucer at me. And I said, excuse me, we have a little word in this house, please. Because I was thinking of this little kid of mine not wanting to start and grow up and be like that. So <laughs> the room just froze. I remember both Paul and Jim exchanging around. Oh, boy, look what, how she just treated John. But, I, I, you know, I meant what I said. Oh, manners, please. Say please and thank you. And it just passed over, it blew over. But years later, Cynthia Lennon, his first wife, said to me, you know, John really respected you for that because you put him in his place and he hasn't forgotten it. So, well, and know, I hope the next time he has tea at your house, house he... <laughs> well, no, I was going to say, the next time he had tea at your house, I hope he said please and thank you and minded his manners. Oh, yes. He was always a bit cautious after that. I was feisty at 30, never mind 50. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and Ruth, I'm sure you have a ton of stories, because as you grew a little bit older and were well aware that these faces appeared beyond your cousin's wallpaper, uh, it must have been fun. Um, So tell us some of your memories, if you would, please, Ruth. Yeah, I mean, it it was was tough going to school because, um, every 12-year-old wanted to be best friends with this four- and five-year-old. I was, I guess, five by the time I went to school. Um, and so it was a little difficult because, you know, obviously they wanted to get invited to my birthday party in case he was going to be home. And so I had to learn at a very early age not to take people on face value. So that was a good lesson. And then, yeah. you know, when John Lennon would come up to Liverpool, he didn't have a, a home there anymore, so he would stay with us when he came up on writing trips with, with Paul or just get-out-of-London trips. And he they used to have business conversations and talk about the suits, so I learned what record companies and publishers did slash stole for a living. And um, John never used to call them the fans. He used to call them the customers. So I, I learned again at a very early age because my pocket money was earned helping out sorting out the fan club mail, which gobs and sacks and tons of it used to come every day to the house. And we would, and would sort it out, and I would help, and then it would all be given to Frida Kelly at the fan club over in Liverpool. But, you know, I learned a very healthy respect for fans and um, as customers. So, you know, it wasn't just all goo goo gaga and Beatle albums and what have you. I mean, I was a Beatles fan, but I wasn't a fanatic because when you see the sausage being made, you know, the sausage doesn't <laughs> that much, right? So, 
um, you know, it was just a very valuable upbringing amongst grown-ups because I had no siblings of my age, and my nearest cousin, Geraldine, was a few years older and lived miles away in Liverpool. So, you know, I sort of, I was quiet. I kept myself to myself and helped out around the house and helped out with the fan club and just listened a lot because, you you know, you've got one mouth, but you've got two ears. So. <laughs> Well, and I'm thinking you, uh, I mean, you learn so much about, like you say, business and, and, the, and the way the world works in that regard. And that brings me to my next set of questions, which I really do want to get into. The extraordinary lives you've lived beyond uh, the Beatles and beyond that lifetime. And Angie, you have an amazing array of teas. Uh, they're organic, and I know a percentage of the proceeds from your sales goes to the Linda McCartney Breast Cancer Research Fund. So tell us about Mrs. McCartney's teas, please. Uh, well, a few years ago, we had um, a party here in, at the house where we live in Los Angeles. And one of our guests, uh, who was a teetotaler, I asked him, did he want a beer or a glass of wine? He said, no, I'd like a nice pot of tea. And then he said, you know what? What's more English than tea? And what's more sort of Liverpool than the name McCartney. Why don't you start some Mrs. McCartney's tea? And I said, oh, yeah, you know. <laughs> so uh, we kicked it around for a while, and then Ruth did a lot of research on how we could actually access tea that was, uh, you know, not grown by children and all that sort of stuff to really look into the legal side of it. And um, we got with one or two different potential distributors and Various things fell through, and then we got with the people we are with now who bring it into the country from all over the world, and um, it's all, I, I, Ruth is actually the better person to explain this to you. I'm an old fart, you know, and I get mixed up. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, you're, you're speaking to the choir. <laughs> the, uh, the flavors are sort of across the board from you know, high-powered caffeine, good morning, good morning. And they all have, you know, like I said, rock and roll, beatly names. Um, but yes. we do have um, Rockstar Rescue, which is like a throat coat. We have just launched a new one, which is not a medicine, and I am not saying on behalf of the FDA that this is a cure. There's my legal speaking. Um, it's called Flu Fighters. Uh, nod to Dave Grohl there. And um, we've got mop top maple, strawberry, green field. So we've got high caffeine to low caffeine to herbal tea with no caffeine. So it's all over the place. And we, we chose to go with tea bags um, rather than loose tea because a lot of people just don't have the way to properly boil water, but they have a hot water machine at the office or at home or what have you. So they're all, um, it's called Soylon, and they're tetrahydrin. Technically, they're not pyramids because they are three three-sided, not a four and three threes. And so the, the tea seeps out better than than most, and um, they're just great. Not top maple is probably my favorite. Uh, Ange likes her good morning Irish breakfast tea, and we have Fifty Shades of Earl Grey, and we have all kinds of things. Yeah. It's at MrsMcCartney'sTeas.com. And shameless plug, you can also buy Ange's latest book, her original book, My Long and Winding Road. Her latest book, Your Mother Should Know, and exclusive, you heard it here first, her third book will be released in time for October 9th, which would have been John Lennon's 80th birthday. And that's more of a little put it in your purse, put it in your backpack, um, handy handy guide book for Beatle fans. So that's all I'm going to say right now. But that's uh, the destination to go if anybody wants to get tea or any autograph books. Of course, the books are on Amazon, but 
you know, they pay us, I think it's a whopping $3 a book or something. You don't really make much money on Amazon. But, uh, yeah, so that's that. And then she also has an interesting venture with a partner of ours, uh, Chef David Skinner, down in Kima, Texas, who are, he's taking on water by the foot at the moment from this uh, tropical storm that's coming in, Beta. And so he has a winery. Thank heavens it's four floors up. And they make Mrs. McCartney's wines, which are dessert wines and cocktail mixes. And we have five matching flavors that go with the tea. So we have strawberry fields, we have peach, Maharishi peach wine, and they make great little cocktail mixes for that, you know, end of the day. Or, um, hey, it's Corona hashtag day drinking cocktail. (laughs) Well, and there's no better combination than a little bit of caffeine and a little bit of alcohol, and you can just have yourself a party. That yeah. is so great. A little hot maple with a little bushmills or something in it never goes never goes amiss in this house. On the freezing cold nights we have to endure in Los Angeles. <laughs> oh yeah, I feel really bad for you guys. <laughs> it goes all the way down to you know. Oh gosh, well, and Ruth, I don't want to forget to mention that you, along, you know, you rivaled your stepbrother. You had a mu- music career and a dancing career. And you lived in Munich, which is I've lived in Munich myself for a while. So tell us a little bit about your fable past. Yeah, wunderbar. Um, yes, I got signed by um, Jupiter Records, which was an imprint of BMG. And after I got done with all of my contracts and trying to get my masters back, I decided that BMG stood for Big Mean Germans. And um, I was over there for three years in the late late 80s, early 90s. I wouldn't say I rivaled Paul. Nobody's done that, but. Um, he certainly never donned a pair of fishnets and done the splits on a drum riser in Armenia, however. I, <laughs> I hope he hasn't. And, um, yeah, no, so I, I toured to Lithuania, Latvia, Armenia, Siberia. Ange went with me on the Siberia trip. That was fun. And wow. I sold a million concert tickets over a six-year period in and out of Russia, and we donated a ton of what was then rubles was an unexchangeable currency so you couldn't bring them out of the country and do anything with them so we left all our rubles from the armenia gigs behind and we played um 11 shows to 23,000 people and we donated all the ticket money much to the chagrin of the moscow promoters who didn't know i was going to donate their money as well to the armenian earthquake relief fund so i um, made that announcement live on russian tv and uh, there was no after party. I skedaddled into the van and hightailed it off to the airport before anybody had a uh, chance to know what happened with their money. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, the two, the two of you, first off, you both have such a fabulous sense of humor. But the stories you could tell, oh, my gosh. And, Angie, you have included, I did link uh, in the description, and I'm afraid I linked to the Amazon one. I might have to change that to uh, your mother, the, your second book. Uh, but uh, tell us a little bit about, you wrote about your life and then this upcoming book. I know you can only give us a little brief preview, but tell us a little bit more, Angie. Well, we've been thinking that um, everybody's, wishing they could plan their holidays. And, of course, as you know, Liverpool is such a hub for various festivities relating to the boys. And there are yeah. lots of other places like Hamburg and London and New York and Los Angeles that have, you know, a huge surge of tourism every year relating to the Beatles. And many people have said to me, gosh, when we can travel again, where should we go? 
well, there are all the usual regular places, but I've looked up a lot of lesser-known places where they stayed in apartments and things that they did, more behind-the-scenes kind of stories. And then Ruth has added in QR codes, you know, these little square squiggly things that look like a bathroom tile that you see on the back of labels of food and drinks and everything. If you click on one of those with your smartphone, it will take you uh, to a link which is either a video or a, a press clipping or some never-before-seen photographs and stuff that we've dug out from the archives. So you you get more about, about twice the bang for your buck with that. Well, also that technology, it's called Smart Book Technology from from McCartney Multimedia, and it is at work in Your Mother Should Know. There are dozens of QR. It stands for Quick Response Codes. They look like crossword puzzles. You've seen them on the back of food labels and wine bottles and wine pairings, and they've been around since the 70s, actually. And they look like crossword puzzles or barcodes stacked one on top of the other. You just hold your smartphone camera over them, and it'll take you to some magic adventures-revealed destination on the said Internet, which we have curated. And my, for this new book, my husband has built a couple of hundred web pages on McCartney.com, which is our daily Beatle blog newspaper. And um, so, you know... Once you've read the little thing in the book, you scan it, and off you go on your iPhone or your iPad to another journey related to the story and the place and all that good stuff. So it's kind of like a magical history tour, if you will. Absolutely. Oh, my gosh. Well, I I am blown away. And, Ruth, you mentioned McCartney Multimedia. I know you've got a ton of services you provide there. Can you give us just a quick overview of some of the things you're doing there? Because that just is quite amazing. Absolutely. We have three main sites, McCartneyMultimedia.com, which is our business that we opened in 1997 back after the North Ridge earthquake, and we started building websites back then for old friends like the, you know, late, great David Cassidy and Andrew Gold and Fleetwood Mac uh-huh. and Edgar Winter, who actually re-upped, re-signed a contract with us today to re- re-bring him onto the, in, onto the Internet. So that's the business, the agency side is a digital agency that does everything from web development to social media, strategy content, Posting, management, insights, advertising, Google ads, Google listings, search engine optimization, blah, blah, blah. And then we have McCartneyStudios.com, which is a full video production house where we do um, TV commercials, PSAs. We represent four young directors and music videos, all kinds of stuff. That's McCartney Studios. And then good old McCartney.com, which is a daily, as I said, Beatle blog type news site newspaper run by my husband Martin Nethercutt, who is uh, our chief creative officer. And the, the title on his business card says Viceroy of Vibe, and mine is Digital Diva. <laughs> so between us, we get it done. Oh my gosh! Well, as I said when I in the introduction, I was only able to give the the very tip of the iceberg, only be able to touch lightly on some of the things you've done. I do before we have to close, though. I want to make sure we've named the websites that are important because there are a list of them. So once again, uh, Angie, will you give us your T website, or should we pass yes. that on to Ruth? Uh huh. It's www.mrsmccartneysteas.com. And Mrs. McCartney's Wines dot com. We can only currently ship to California and Texas, but we're expanding distribution shortly. And then on the business Wonderful. side of things, we have for, for the Beatles fan who wants to get their 
cup of tea and uh, read 3,000 pages of Beatles stuff. That's McCartney. <laughs> and then the agency side is McCartney Multimedia. You can also get there with McCartneyMedia.com. And the video production side from green screen to PSAs to commercials to all that is McCartneyStudios.com. So there you have it. Well, you know, what was interesting to me is that I would like to be the person who does your income taxes. I mean, it must be about 48,000 pages of figures. Wow. Well, this has been so much fun. I have thoroughly enjoyed it. Obviously, I've looked forward to it and getting to know both of you better. Before we leave, do you have any parting thoughts or parting words for our audience, who are a group of very feisty women, mostly who were of huge Beatles fans, of course? Wear your mask. Exactly. Wear your mask. Exactly. But I would also like to thank Iva Davies for putting us in touch. Iva is the author of a great book, uh, The Beatles and Me on Tour. He was actually here in America as a British journalist at the height and the, the whole start of the Ed Sullivan and um, the West Coast you know, swing that they did through the Hollywood Bowl. So that's a fascinating read as well. So thank you, Iva, for introducing us to Eileen. And, yeah, I think on the, on the women front, it's just like – you know, take a leaf from Ruth Bader Ginsburg. You can do it. Even if they tell you no, just, you know, refresh your lipstick, smile, and keep going because there is no no. Just because we're women. I love that. I love that. And a very high note to end the show on, and I will make one final confession. I, I think I told Angie already, but I was at the very last concert in San Francisco oh. and back in 1966. Oh, no. And you can thank me because I screamed uh, your brother and your son's name so loudly that the Beatles chose never to perform again on a oh, concert tour. So. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I had to say that to the end to make sure we'd gone through everything first. But thank you for your speaking with me despite that fact. Oh, yeah, it was fun. It was fun indeed. Well, we had a tape somewhere. The late Tony Barrow, the PR guy, was at Candlestick Park, and he had a reel-to-reel tape recorder with him. And um, we had it dubbed onto a cassette, which is in our fireproof uh, storage safety deposit box. I mean, you can't use it because it's copyright material, obviously, but it's it's fun to take out and listen to sometimes. Yeah, we might be able to pick Absolutely. you out. We'll listen to it again. Thank you. Thank you, Angie. I'm sure you will. <laughs> well, and this has been so much fun for me. And I really, I urge all of you listeners out there, please check out these various websites. I'm thinking Mrs. McCartney's Teas, Mrs. McCartney's Wines, and, of course, McCartney Multimedia, and the various other sites that Ruth listed, because uh, you can really enjoy a little, you can imbibe a little, you can sip a little, and you can enjoy all things McCartney. Uh, and also, what I've done, and I encourage people out there to do, is Google both Angie McCartney and Ruth McCartney because Uh-oh. there's too much information out there to list in one moment. <laughs> so thank you again both so much. I have thoroughly enjoyed it. We All have right, my to. darling. Thank you. Yeah. Appreciate it. And okay. it, Bye-bye. Until Thanks, next time, this, <laughs> this is Mary Eileen Williams at Feisty Side of 50 Radio. Saying I'll catch you later. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye.